today's text is from the book of Matthew, the chapter 17, verses 1 through 9. I have it written here in the New International Version, but I want to read it from the New Living Translation. So, as is our custom, would you all please stand for the reading of God's word? Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 9. Six days later, Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, James and John, and led them up a high mountain to be alone. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed so that his face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light. Suddenly, Moses and Elijah appeared and began talking with Jesus. Peter exclaimed, Lord, it's wonderful for us to be here. If you want, I'll make three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But even as he spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my dearly loved son, who brings me great joy. Listen to him. The disciples were terrified and fell face down on the ground. Then Jesus came over and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. And when they looked up, Moses and Elijah were gone, and they saw only Jesus. As they went back down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Y'all may be seated. Growing up, I hated taking my vitamins. And I say hated with a passion because they were disgusting. I don't know if how many of you all are familiar with cod liver oil or echinacea, but they don't taste good. And my mother, who had the best intentions for me and wanted me to be well, insisted that I take them daily. When I could, I found ways to circumvent and, you know, spit it out or throw it away or what have you. But ultimately, I had to trust that she had my best interests at heart, that this thing that clearly didn't feel good was good because my mom said it was. Various Hebrew scriptures prophesied that one day a descendant of King David would rule with godliness and fairness. This descendant was referred to as the Messiah. And it was expected at the time of Jesus that this Messiah would come and would particularly save the Hebrew or the Jewish people from Roman oppression. But when Jesus, the literal son of God sent to save, showed up on the scene, he didn't look or act as they had expected. And even more troublesome, not only did he not look the way they expected, he didn't act the way they expected, but a few verses prior to this passage, he starts talking about how he's going to die. And so this Messiah that they expected was coming to rule is now here saying, hey, this is going to look a lot differently than you thought. 
how could messianic glory exist along messianic suffering? How could something that was clearly bad lead to something good? None of this makes sense. And these questions, this confusion, was ringing in the minds of Jesus' disciples at this point in Matthew's narrative. As such, the account of the transfiguration comes at an ideal time. This was the time when Jesus' divine identity as the Messiah was most likely to be questioned because all of a sudden he's talking about dying. And so they needed to listen to Jesus in this time that was confusing and they didn't really know what was ahead of them. And I'm not just pulling this focus on them needing to listen to Jesus out of thin air. This particular account, so the transfiguration account, appears in all three synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And each one has a couple variations. Like, for example, Luke says that this happened eight days later versus six days later. But something that's the same across all of them is God coming in a cloud, speaking, declaring who his son is, and that his disciples should listen. They should listen to Jesus. Likewise, Peter's, sorry, God's instruction to Peter, James, and John to listen to Jesus in this time of confusion, in this time of them not knowing what's next, is a necessary and important instruction for us today. At times, what Jesus says to us may be confusing and or undesirable. Sometimes what Jesus says to us doesn't taste or feel good. But because he's Jesus, we can we will eventually come to see that it is good. In the meantime, we must trust Jesus' intentions for us, and we must listen to Jesus because he came to save us. And so I have one big point. The big point is how do we listen to Jesus? And what I will like to leave as an invitation is that we listen to Jesus by spending time with him, not just for him. We listen to Jesus by spending time with him, not just for him. And so let's look again at the first four verses of this chapter. Jesus took the disciples up the mountain to be alone, though in other accounts it reads to go, he took them up there to pray. But either way, Jesus brought Peter, James, and John, a select few of his 12 disciples, up that mountain to spend quality time with him and God. That's why they, he, Jesus brought them up there. And while they were up there, the miraculous happened. Jesus's appearance was transformed, and the disciples were able to see Jesus as he truly was, fully divine and radiating with glory. And the ancient readers would have caught something here. They, they would have noticed parallels between this description of Jesus radiating in glory and what happened to Moses when he was in the presence of God. And then the mention of Moses and Elijah alone would have brought up parallels between how both Moses and Elijah were rejected by their, by their peers during that time, just as Jesus was. And later on, even in the same account, the words that 
God speaks concerning Jesus. He is my son who is, I'm dearly loved and I am well pleased. R- references back to Isaiah and the words that were said of the suffering servant. So there's a whole bunch of good things happening here that I don't have time to go into, but trust that the disciples and the ancient readers of this text would have caught on to all of this. They would have saw that this is a big deal. Something important is happening. And what is also important to point out is that all of this was happening for the disciples' benefit. Jesus already knew who he was. It was the disciples that needed a bit of assurance. And we can tell this also in the structure of these verses. The, the whole account is written from the perspective of the disciples. Jesus took them, that they appeared before them. This is how they reacted. And so it gives us insight into how this was literally for the disciples. And so let's keep this in mind, right? So Jesus brought the Peter, James, and John up there to spend time with him and God, did this miraculous big display of his greatness for their benefit and Peter responds with well what can I do Jesus had already brought them up there for a reason the only thing that Peter needed to do in that moment was to spend time with Jesus and his friends that's it But Peter could not be fully present to what was happening, to what he was witnessing, because he was preoccupied with wondering if he needed to be doing something. I'm not saying that doing stuff is bad, and I'm not saying that Peter didn't have good intentions. To create shelters, especially for important, prominent figures, was an act of hospitality and respect. But what we also see in Luke is that Peter was just talking off the dome. Peter didn't really know why or what he was saying. He was just talking because he was overwhelmed in the moment. And so I wonder what it would have looked like if Peter had just lingered in that moment to witness Jesus being fully Jesus and receive that affirmation that Peter needed of who Jesus was instead of rushing to do something, to prove his usefulness, to prove his worthiness. And so as a point of application and a question of reflection, Do you ever find yourself more concerned with doing for Jesus than being with Jesus? Can you just be with Jesus? No agenda, just there, open to whatever Jesus may have for you in that moment. My invitation for all of us today is to lean into being with Jesus and how it may feel uncomfortable and perhaps unnatural, but we can trust that it is for our good, that all of this is happening for a reason that may not make sense right now, but will one day. And so I'm not only going to give the invitation to lean into being with Jesus. For the next few minutes, we're going to practice it. And we're going to practice it through the spiritual practice of Lectio Divina, which is also known as sacred reading. 
It is an intentional way of approaching scripture texts from a point of receiving, of being open to whatever may come up and however God may want to use it, which is a little different from how I would usually preach, right? Telling you all what says the Lord today. But as we enter into Lent and the invitation to be intentional with distinguishing Sundays as a day of worship and rest and just surrendering to what God has for us in its goodness, this is part of that, of being wholly flexible. And so I will introduce what Lectio is very briefly, and then we'll do it. All right. Let me pull up my next set of notes. So Lectio Divina is a practice in which we relax and carefully listen to God's word. And because we're doing it in community, I will also leave time for us to share with one another. Because that's part of this, is that we are a body and we do things together. And so Lectio typically has four movements. For the sake of time, we're going to do three and a half. The first one is where I will read the text slowly, and you will take time to just notice. What do you notice in this text? How, what shimmers to you? In the second reading, because I'll read it again, then you will reflect on where this reading is speaking to your life today. And then in the third reading, you'll reflect on how God might be inviting you to respond. Noticing, contemplating, responding. And then that fourth movement, I'll invite you if you feel, uh, if you feel comfortable doing so, to gather in dyads or you know, three groups of, th- of, no, triads, groups of three to four people and share what you're hearing from God. Cool? Cool. All right. So for the first reading, before I begin reading, if you wouldn't mind closing your eyes, if you feel comfortable doing so, if you have any books or um, pens in your hand to set them down and let your hands be free. Get as comfortable as you can in a folding chair. And so, before we begin, take a nice deep breath in and a nice deep breath out. Breathe in, and as you breathe out, attempt to breathe out all that might be distracting you. And for the first reading, six days later, Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, James and John, and led them up a high mountain to be alone. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed so that his face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light. Suddenly, Moses and Elijah appeared and began talking with Jesus. Peter exclaimed, Lord, it is wonderful for us to be here. If you want, I'll make three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. 
But even as he spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Listen to him. All right, so we're going to conclude our time, our sermon time, with a word of prayer. (laughs) And so if y'all would join me in prayer. (sighs) God, you are good. Beyond description, actually in the things that we know are good and in the things that we are still learning are good. You are. Thank you, God, for being a God who went to such great lengths to save us and not just from worldly power, God, but from the things that we allow to oppress us, from the ways that we submit to grind culture, the ways that we submit to compulsive doing, the ways that we seek to find our worthiness by our production rather than our being. Thank you for freeing us from that. And so God, I pray that we would claim our freedom in that, that even in our relationship with you, we would not bring those bad habits into it that we would not feel that we have to prove something to you, that we have to do things right to be accepted by you, God, but that we would just be with you and listen. May we trust that if there is something you want us to do, dear God, you'll tell us. You'll make it clear. And in the meantime, we can just experience your goodness in the now. And so, God, may may that be how we operate. May we operate in expectancy of your goodness, not of your obligations. May we be open to how you may speak and move in our lives in new ways. And be open and willing to sharing that with others. Thank you, God, for hearing all of our prayers and working beyond our ability to even ask. We love you and need you. Amen. The benediction comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 11, verses 28 through 30 from the message translation. Are you tired, worn out? burnt out on religion come to me get away with me and you'll recover your life I'll show you how to take a real rest walk with me and work with me watch how I do it learn the unforced rhythms of grace learn the unforced rhythms of grace I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Go in the company, peace, and rest of Jesus. Amen.